Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the KG Podcast. And I'm here with Emma and Tony of the KG Editorial Team. Um, but I'm also delighted today to welcome our regular contributor to KG, our guru on no-dig and budget gardening, Stephanie Hafferty. So welcome Steph and welcome everybody else. Hi, Thank you guys. How's that? So we thought, Steph, when we knew you were coming on, we were very excited about it, and we thought, what can we ask her? And it occurred to us that you've you well, not so long ago moved to to lovely Wales, and you've got a lovely plot on a uh, beautiful hillside there, and it just so happens that Emma is about to um, take on a new garden, a blank canvas. So we thought we'd ask you. What on earth she should do with it? And now she should start off with it. And how you start in <laughs> and get some top tips a bit quick. <laughs> Don't so, do it. <laughs> so what well, I'm, 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 on, I'm, in, I'm on the sort of flat, flat, flat area of Lincolnshire. So slightly different, I think. But it's still going to be a blank canvas and it's quite a big plot. So mm. I'm probably going to be starting literally on just the grass field really so, so it's like really scratch <laughs> yeah so it's similar to here except my weedy grass was sloping mostly <laughs> so it makes no difference whether it's sloping or flat it's the same and ben, what what time of year did you move in i what moved here we got the keys on march the 17th oh good Actually time moved in on the 19th yeah. And I made my first bed on the 31st. Mm. So I'd already, before I moved as one of my priorities, you know, it was like booking the removal van, packing all of those things, change the post and order compost. Because moving from Somerset to Wales, I knew that I wouldn't be able to bring my compost with me, that I already had. That went to my neighbour. They were delighted. And also it was lockdown. So the kind of networks that you'd normally have for going around asking for well-rotted manure or the municipal waste or that kind of thing, um, I couldn't access them. It was still, you had to be two metres away from everybody. So you could kind of yell, you've got any compost, but you couldn't. Um, <laughs> so from a practical point of view, it made sense to order in. So I ordered in a load of peat-free compost from a company that I already knew and could arrange it all via email. Um, and that was, but I budgeted for it. I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to set the garden up straight away. I was also project managing a show garden at the time. And I knew I'd be away for almost a month in from from June the 21st. Was that um, was Hampton Court, was it, Steph? That was Hampton Court. Yeah, so it was a really, really tranquil time for me, wasn't it? Moving <laughs> country. Setting up a whole new garden. Um, I had one of my kids at home doing his finals. At Ma he was at Manchester Uni at the time, but couldn't go. And um, and I was project managing a show garden. So, you know, so I slept for a couple of hours a day. <laughs> so I knew I had this period of time when I had to get it all done. 
before I then disappear for a month, um, almost a month. And then just after I got back from Hampton Court, the polytunnel was coming. So, um, so that hence getting things organized beforehand. So at least I had chaos in my home, but I had some compost. And the brilliant thing is when you move house, you've now automatically got loads of cardboard from all those packing boxes. And um, so every time I unpacked some things, they could go out on the lawn and make a new bed. Yes, no, yes. How you do it very much depends on what your budget is and what resources you'd have. So there's no one way of doing anything. So for me, this was the most practical. It was quick. You put um, the cardboard on the weedy grass, five centimetres of compost on the top, and away you go. You can sow and plant into that straight away because the cardboard is just light excluding mulch and that gradually rots. So even parsnips and carrots will go through. Assuming down. That was one of our questions. How hard we get carrots to root through the cardboard? Well, if you think about um, dandelions, which are very on topic at this time of year, and if you are weeding out a dandelion, you'll notice that beautiful straight taproot, and they will grow through anything, including concrete and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it just does. The key is to make sure it's moist. So. This is Wales, so rarely it's a problem to worry about moisture. <laughs> but if it's dry weather and the cardboard is dry, then absolutely the carrot will go down and then along because it won't be able to root through. So that's something to bear in mind. Usually um, the most likely reason why somebody struggles with a new no-dig bed made with cardboard and compost is the cardboard is too dry. So if the weather is dry, what we do is spread the cardboard and then water it. So it's, and that helps as well on a hill because it sticks it to the ground. So it doesn't all <laughs> fly off and end up mulching the sheet. And then um, <laughs> it helps everything just stay together. Taking it, yeah, I've got some, sorry, Steph, taking it, I've got some flat ground. It's not um, the fast slope. The back garden, so I've got two main growing areas that I've been concentrating on. Um, one's called the back garden, because that's what it is. And the other is, we call it the orchard, because when I moved here, there are some established fruit trees there. And the back garden is, for Wales, it's really flat. It's sloped, but it's it's flat for a hillside. And the orchard is very sloped. It's sloped... Um, I, you know, if I want a few, well, like shortly after I moved here a few months, unfortunately after the show garden, I was walking quickly down my orchard full of the joys of summer life and I tripped over a stump and went flying. I was practically flew down the valley, you know, so it is, you could get a bit of a speed up walking <laughs> down. So I'm really super careful now because it hurts. Oh, my goodness. The front garden, I've got two tiny little areas of front garden. One of them is mainly for, it's outside my office, so I feed the birds. So that's why my articles are late, Steve, because I'm watching oh, okay. birds. I'm only oh, there had to be an excuse. And <laughs> it's like, tight. oh, look what that bulb's doing. And they're, flat. they're raised, fortunately, the house is raised up from the lane um, because when it really, really rains, the lane can end up like a river, but I don't get flooded because I'm raised up. So the yeah, and then we've got another bit of garden where which is tiny, it's not very big at all, but that is sloped again. I think sloped is the theme. Yes. <laughs> so the main thing with starting a garden is what resources do you have and what is your budget? So so, so Emma with yours, you've got big can you have a is it two acres altogether? Yeah. Yeah, I know you've got something for your cousin was. So, <laughs> in terms in terms of your veg patch, what sort of size are you thinking? Well, you know, I don't know really because um, I've only well, I've seen the place once, <laughs> so I can't honestly say. I can't honestly say if I can remember really. But I, there's a lovely big greenhouse I've got that's sort of homemade greenhouse. It's very big, and I've also got the frame of a polytunnel. I've got. Uh, the, the plastic was ripped, so I mean, obviously going to need a new cover for that. And that was near an orchard area. 
but the trees were extremely old so i may have to replace you know put some new fruit trees in or around there um but i do yes i mean obviously i'm gonna have to pick an area so and you know what i'll probably do is i probably won't be too ambitious initially i'll just keep it sort of smaller with the idea of maybe expanding it because you know obviously you don't want to bite off more than nothing chew initially um, but I'd be like you, Steph. I mean, my priority is like throw everything in the house, quick, get in the garden because I yeah. like to get going. <laughs> it's all loads. I know, and I'm, and I'm happy to be able to grow anything because I've been like sofa surfing for a while. So, so, so my lovely colleagues here have been growing extra stuff for me. <laughs> what about gardening? <laughs> uh, what month do you do you think you might arrive there? Oh well, I'm actually I'm actually moving sort of um, first week in May or oh so. that's nice. So I have got an opportunity to get some stuff in if I really go for it. Yeah, um, there's loads you can plant in May. And you can get things ready for planting in September for overwintering as well. So I mean, even yeah. parsnips, it's not too late in May. So I used yeah. to grow for a client um, who wanted. Um, I grow big parsnips and can knock people out with kind of size that one parsnip will feed about six people. But they wanted like dainty parsnips. You roast the whole thing for Christmas dinner. And a June sowing of parsnips makes a dainty parsnip for Christmas dinner. So now I do both. I have my fighting off the marauders side of parsnips <laughs> and I have my dainty ones from a later sowing. So there's, there's absolutely loads you can do then. You're just a bit late for aubergines, but that's okay. Next year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully you guys have, set, have sown me some tomatoes, haven't you? So I'll be able to yeah. get those in the greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I've got yeah. some tomatoes. Hopefully yeah. some beans and lettuces. Uh, what else was there? A few cabbages. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, like, do you like kale? Want some kale? Or? Yeah, kale or anything, really. I'll grow anything. I mean, might might be you know, I I do do love the idea of the no dig, and I I'm certainly will have plenty of cardboard. But I guess I suppose the thing is, I do need to sort of obviously source some compost. Exactly, um, that's what I'm going to do, isn't it? And I think well, one thing you can do, um, which is a very cheap way of clearing ground, which is handy as well if you've just moved, um, is you can put your cardboard down and then a layer of polythene, like black polythene, second hand polythene which is usually really easy to get i actually moved house with a an old dustbin with loads of rolls of old polythene in for certain situations and then if you cut holes in that you can plant bigger plants through it you wouldn't put lettuce through that because it does create a slug habitat and they just go but you can put things like potatoes in or squash things that will spread and then you're clearing the ground then for free whilst also getting a crop. So that could be some area. And then for things like the lettuces and the more tender plants, that's where you can get some compost and cardboard and do cardboard layer five centimetres. So you're keeping it fairly small, which will keep the costs down. Yeah. And, um, you know, that actually is, I mean, plus obviously there are many reasons for doing no dig. Um, not least you're keeping carbon in the ground. So when you dig, you release carbon into the environment and you're breaking up by digging, you're breaking up the soil structure, you're killing microorganisms, you're killing mycorrhizae, which sounds like a horrible massacre, but it will recover. And if you haven't got the money or you have, can't get, you know, you've moved somewhere new, you don't know where these resources are for. I only am learning now where to get well-rotted manure from and that kind of product um there's no law that says you can't dig it over once to so that you're actually growing food which the way prices are going at the moment i think that is such a priority for so many of us just to get more homegrown food on our tables because it helps save money and then once you've made the beds just don't dig it anymore and you will get more weeds because you'll have brought up the weed seed. So, oh, you know, keep on top of that. But and, and set up your compost heaps, which you can make with any weeds that you're pulling out. And the soil bacteria, the microbes, the mycorrhizal fungi, it will still be in the surrounding ground and it will recolonate. So it's not the end of the world. 
Um, and it's better than not growing the food. So although, if you can, absolutely try not to dig the ground. Um, but life isn't perfect and we all have different things. If I'd moved here and I had no compost, I would have dug that garden over to make the beds. There's no, absolutely, rather than not have the food, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. important, I think, to have um, yeah. a positive attitude towards this. And I'm, sometimes people think if they've had to, say, dig over their allotment, because often you get take on a new allotment and it's got half of its brambles and the other half's got like an old cortina buried in it. But <laughs> You know, you've got to dig that out. You've got to dig brambles out. You've got to dig old cars out. They're not going to levitate. Um, and a lot of people think that because they've dug it once, that's it. They're trapped there for endless cycle of digging and it's not true you can dig that junk out make your beds look nice and then moving forward you just mulch every year a little bit of compost and the soil is going to recover so it's a positive thing yeah so if, if money was no object steph <laughs> in, a dream, in a dream world he'd walk to the shit didn't for you right. was it well that's me that's me out for a start yeah. <laughs> just thinking just bear with me bear with me a moment uh, would you put edges around the beds or would you would that never be anything you do you know something you just wouldn't bother with at all um, I tend not to bother because um, they actually create a habitat for slugs and snails and woodlice and rodents. And although we all, of course, these days love slugs and snails and woodlice because they are nutrient recyclers and part of the ecosystem and they're food for other creatures up the food chain, they also want to eat our veg. So there's no point in making them a home right next to your cabbages. Some people, however, love them. It can be just because they like the look or they can be brilliant for um, accessibility. You can make them higher for people who have issues with bending. Um, some people find that they are a really good way of showing to their children or their pet dog, this is the vegetable garden keep off. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons why people choose to have these. and. Just be aware that around the edges, that's going to be a habitat and you just go hunting for these little friends and relocate them to a wildlife area. Um, I did have raised beds in my previous front garden because that was builder's rubble um, underneath. The soil was like right. almost no soil. And I was trying to grow as much food as, as humanly possible in that space with the whole of the garden. And so I had raised beds because it raised the ground by eight inches, which was enough for pretty much everything except parsnips. Um, so they can be brilliant in situations where you've got compost like, um, sorry, soil like that. Or if you're growing in an area of concrete, then you'd want really high raised beds so you could actually grow that. I had an entire food forest in pots on a piece of concrete in my previous garden. So again, it's there's no one rule. It's what your situation is and what your preference is. Yeah, I've spoken with people whose partner really wouldn't have been happy with a vegetable garden unless it looked really smart. And so it kind of made everybody happy, sort of peaceful home life. <laughs> so no, even if I, if I was really rich, Oh, <laughs> um, actually, that's the funny thing. Some people think I moved here as some kind of early retiree lady with a luxury. <laughs> oh, that was so funny when I heard that. It was like, what? <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, but if I was rich, no, I wouldn't suddenly put a load of insects. No, I would buy a really big greenhouse. That's mm. what I do. Oh, yes. My yeah. greenhouse that I inherited with the house, it's very small. And two sides are, yeah, they wedged it in a corner where, where there's brick walls. Mm. <laughs> so it's really quite dark. <laughs> and I've got all these, um, you know, those fall blankets that cost about a pound in Poundland. That, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, that you 
emergency blankets. I, you also, whenever I run a marathon, I, I, I have a store <laughs> just for where I fit. The London Marathon, for example, I'll be using one then, I expect. Oh, yes, why are gone? Like that, Luke, do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I have these hum at the back of the greenhouse where the brick walls are, so the light yeah. reflects, and it works brilliantly. But I keep expecting the local police to knock on the door because it looks like I'm set up something that I shouldn't have. <laughs> and it's like, there's aubergines in there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Oh, I think your last greenhouse was under an apple tree, wasn't it, Em? Oh, yes. Every, yeah. See, well, I inherited the, the, the greenhouse and every every autumn um, the, the apples would fall off and break another pane of glass. And you just feel like I went in the middle of the night at three in the morning, crash. Oh, there's another apple gone through the greenhouse. <laughs> but there's a shop too. Yeah, don't uh, don't put your greenhouse under an apple tree. Yeah, another thing is when you move, um, there is an idea that you wait a year and you observe where the sun's going and all of that. Which, yeah, fine if that's what one wants to do, fair enough. But um, then you get no food for a year, and um, which is not good. And if you're a garden writer, then you've got nothing to write about for a year either. <laughs> here I am sitting here observing and doing nothing. Um, so, but you should be able to, particularly with a big pot like that, um, work out which is the most practical and sensible place for you to have a veg patch. So you want something, ideally, with plenty of light that doesn't flood, um, that is accessible and a good you know, distance from your greenhouse, your sheds, those kinds of things. Here, you know, my back garden, I just made the beds because that's what I had there and they were going to go there regardless regardless of where the sun was moving or anything like that the one thing which i didn't touch and actually i still haven't touched since i moved here were a few borders herbaceous borders because that's not my area of expertise i'm an edible gardener i call these flowery shrubby things and i have friends that do know what they are and i send them photos going what is this and then they go that's a beautiful azalea. And I go, yeah, I've got an azalea. <laughs> um, so I've left that so that I've had enough time to see what's coming up and what and what they are. Because one thing, which is fortunate, because there was at the one nearest my greenhouse, there's this clump of what I thought was some kind of bog grass, you know, just something that had blown in from the neighboring field, come completely surrounded by farmland. And the field all around my house is um it's got brooks running through it so there's lots of reeds and things and i just thought it was something like that and i kept meaning oh, i must dig this out because it's just gonna just a bit of bog wind and um it was red hot pokers <laughs> and i've always wanted red hot pokers <laughs> and <then> the elder. <laughs> so, so the herbaceous borders that kind of thing i think it is worth leaving but yeah food i just think you want to crack on and get food yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what, I mean, so, what the other thing though, thinking about, you know, between between your beds, I mean, what do you do with the paths? I mean, what do you, do you think down or? Yeah, so I make my paths, so I've got the two main growing areas, the back garden has paths, and so the beds, three of the, four of the beds, or was it three of the, I can't tell it, I look at it every day, three of the beds are four feet wide. And they're four feet wide, 1.2 metres, because that's the width of my cloche hoops. So I know all of my row covers are going to fit. And normally I make paths about 30 centimetres, one foot wide, because that works well with my feet. There's one path that's wider, and that's the path from the back door across the vegetable garden to the gateway to our orchard. And even though there's a way round all of that, I knew there was no way on earth me, my kids, anybody else was going to do that. We were all going to walk across there. So it made sense to have a wider path. I used cardboard and wood chip on the paths, a little bit of wood chip, uh, which rots down beautifully. That feeds the soil. It's great for fungi and also it's not separate. So that's how I use that. Other people um, have used, they like to use sort of um, 
bricks and things to designate their paths. And I think if you want to make a brick path, go ahead. They look beautiful. They can be slippery, which would be a concern here in Wales on a hill. Um, sawdust is a good one. You can make them with compost, but very few people can afford that. Um, they work well. I've made paths using compost. You can make a path by doing like a double layer of card and weighing it down and that will rot down and then you've got an earth path that you can hoe, but that is slippery when it rains. So that needs to be, it's just these practical things need to be considered. Um, I've also got one bed in the back garden that's just really wide because the thing with no dig beds is you can walk all over them. And if it's your own personal growing space, Mostly it's just going to be you, your friends, your family walking. So it's absolutely fine. If you've got a bed that's six, eight feet wide, it's fine to walk all over it. And in my orchard, the massive bed I've got, I've been making a bit at a time. And there I used all different mulches. I used wood chip. I used um, alpaca poo, which you can use fresh. Someone gave me some as a housewarming present. The sheep's dags I get. It's a pooey part of place. But the neighbour died who owns the farm. He was looking at one of my beds when he was feeding his sheep. He said, what have they made that from? Because it looked like there all these dead sheep in a rudder and it's not. <laughs> it's place. So no sheep were injured in the making of that bed. <laughs> and this one is really big. It's just a really, really huge bed. And there I put things in little blocks as and when they go out and you meander through it. And it's all under the fruit trees. And it's like a kind of edible tapestry. Um, so that, yeah, I, love I, yeah I, I really like it. At the moment, it just looks like earth. You know, it's not that exciting. But in the summer, it looks gorgeous. So again, it's very much one's preference. If you were doing it, and you, I mean, wider paths, you've got a lot of space. The advantage of a wider path is when you're bending or squatting down to harvest things, you don't get a wet bottom. Because with a narrower path, which means you've got more growing space, um, certain jobs like picking dwarf fringe beans, um, you're going to get a wet bum if it's been raining because your behind is in the adjacent belt. <laughs> 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 and other people, they want, I mean, I just, it's wide enough to put the wheelbarrow down and I just put its legs mm. on the beds, whereas other people want it wheelbarrow wet. And, um, you know, there's, I think one of the things with gardening is it it needs to work for you and your situation, hence my wider path. You know, I'm thinking we go and we eat in the orchard, we've got tables there, I'm thinking carrying trays of food and young people who camp in the orchard, my kids are all in their twenties, staggering back to the house later, you know, <laughs> on a wide path. <laughs> if you've got a community garden. It may work better to have raised beds. Everybody knows where the beds are and wider paths for accessibility so that everybody can be there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting working out what works best for you and where you are. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you ever, do, I mean, do you worry about crop rotation on your bed stuff or do you? No, just, no, no. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I've, I've looked at so many crop rotation charts and I don't think I've understood any of them really. I've been <laughs> trying to work out what goes where and uh, my defence me. If you had something like white rot or club root, then they're key pet problems. And obviously you would be aware of that and you wouldn't put alliums where there's white rot for the designated period of time. There is research into using garlic granules to get rid of white rot. But thankfully, I don't have white rot, so um, it isn't something I've investigated. Um, the thing with crop rotation, I think for most home growers, it isn't practical. And some people love it and they love making their charts and they'd like to know this, you know, it's potatoes here this year and then it's going to be runner beans next year and fair play. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with doing that in the slightest. But I try to grow as much as I can from each bed. So I'm interplanting a lot. So I'll put out my Brussels sprout plants, which obviously when they go out, they're quite small and you have to space them quite widely um, because of the size that they eventually grow. 
And then in all the space around that, I'm putting Florence fennel, um, lettuces, annual herbs, spinach, things that are quicker cropping. And, oh, and later in the year, you can put in um, chicories, which is one of my favorite things. And then as you're harvesting those, the brassicas are growing bigger and bigger. And by the time they've got really, really big and are blocking out the light, you've eaten everything underneath. But if you think of all those different plant families, like multi-sown, um, I've forgotten the word, spring onions um, can go in as well. You've got so many different plant families that it's impossible to rotate. I can't look at that bed and say that was brassicas last year because it wasn't. It was brassicas and onions. And There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Other, you know, other different kinds of plants. There's also, because every year we're learning more and more about soil and the role of the microbes and the fungi and everything, that there's more research into how having as many different kinds of plant roots as possible in an area of ground, just like happens in natural spaces, actually is more beneficial for the soil. So growing lots of different plants actually is better than just growing one kind of thing. And I think for most of us who have a polytunnel or a greenhouse where we grow our tomatoes, melons, cucumbers, um, you're just going to have to put them in there because that's the only covered space you've got. You're not going to not grow tomatoes. Um, and they're fine. I mean, blight, thank goodness, in the UK doesn't survive in the soil. So it, there's no issues with things like that. If you get a bit mm-hmm. of blight in there, there's no, it's not going to lurk for the next year. So mm-hmm. no, I don't, and I definitely don't worry about companion planting. I do a lot of it. And my garden, you know, flowers, all kinds of things. It looks like a jungle, but when it gets going, not not in uh, where what month are we? April. Um, I'm ahead. I'm in May. I'm moving house with you. Okay. <laughs> um, but you've got, I think one of the things with companion planting, which is lovely if you want to do it, but each book, each chart gives a different recommendation. And these days we have a lot of information from the internet and a lot of that is from other parts of the world. And so you can end up with rules of what goes where, which really are not relevant, are not really founded in anything. I mean, there's some things which are ancient, such as growing garlic with roses to protect against um, black spot. You know, that has a really ancient history. And I actually always grow garlic with roses because I learned that like 30 years ago and thought, (laughs) oh, this is easy. But I got into companion planting gosh, 20 years ago, and I read all the books, and I looked at the charts and all of this, and I looked near Glastonbury, and we had some pretty interesting charts of companion planting, all different, all these different cosmic things coming into it. And I I had a great time, 
reading about it. And then I tried to plan my garden. And I got really depressed because at the time I thought I'd worked out a combination according to one of these charts, you know, the runner beans were arch enemies of the chart. And, and so I stopped, I didn't worry. Um, which also brings me to moon sowing, which again has an ancient history and a lot of societies use it um, instinctively and every year. And some people, there's a guy down in Cornwall, his name I've forgotten, got his book over there, um, but he is... Like he's been doing it decades and decades and decades. And I think if you want to, great, you know, absolutely. But the thing with moon sowing and moon charts and being told, you know, today is an auspicious day for sowing this or um, someone announced on social media, um, Good Friday, you mustn't plan anything. Absolutely nothing. Good Friday or the Saturday. It's really a bad day for doing it. This chart says so. And I'm saying... But this is the first time it hasn't rained for most of the UK <laughs> in about five months. And we're all, oh, apart from, you know, some people, but most of us are also off work. You know, I don't know. And who, you're saying, it's, it often is, you have a certain amount of privilege if you're able to follow this. So it's fine if you're, if you're running it as a business, you're running a farm and you're there all the time. But most people, you're fitting in your gardening around work and family commitments and going around the supermarket and getting your car serviced and all of those things. So, you know, basically the most auspicious thing is you've got two hours and it's not pouring down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's basically the philosophy I'd follow with that. <laughs> I'm really glad you're saying all this, Steph, because I've had bubbling to these things myself and thought, there's just no way I, I couldn't. So as you say, you know, you've got two days a week if you're if you're working full time, and and you've half that time it's raining, it's pouring with rain. You've you've got to do it when you can, haven't you? Totally, absolutely. And um, I remember on my allotments, there was a lady. This was in Somerset, and there was a lady. She was a midwife. So I mean, there's no way she could organise her time. Babies do not book when they're going to come. <laughs> and so she, I try and avoid, apart from temporary, like piece of polythene to clear the ground. I don't like using mypex and things like that. Um, soil, I think, is better if it's got uh, natural mulches, not plastic ones. But this lady had all her paths were mypexed. She had raised beds and would spend the winter covering them with mypex. But it was because of the job. You know, she didn't have time to hoe her paths. She literally had these spare bits. And in the winter, of course, the amount of time of daylight, she could hardly get there. So... You could look at her plot and think, oh, she's a terrible woman. Look at her there with her electric <laughs> paths. But the reality was she was doing this incredible job that we all need midwives. You know, we've all made it them at some point in our, in our lives. Um, and she was doing the best she could and the most practical thing in her situation. And um, whereas, you know, and I think it's the same with these other things. If you've got the time and the space and the ability to do moon planting, and I've practiced it quite a bit throughout my work you know it is good fun it is nice and there's biodynamic farming which includes a lot of uh, moon sowing i mean biodynamic wine fish is a brilliant i mean i don't know what they do but it's wonderful <laughs> but you're running a vineyard so you are going to be able to schedule it more yeah yeah how amazing <laughs> Well, one last thing I was thinking of was, was perennial veg. So you mentioned you had a forest garden in pots. Are you planting, you're, you're planting a similar thing, but in the ground now in your new garden? Or? Yeah, yeah. so I moved house with all of my potted plants. I actually had to, I got the removal van, and then I had like a kind of half-size removal van trailer that they attached to put my garden in. <laughs> so all my trees and things went in there, and they all came out again. And um, so I brought um, anything that was in pots with me. Some of these trees have gone in the ground now, and some of them are staying in the pots because they were in such big pots. But you can't dig a hole that big. <laughs> and I'm not sure that they would survive the transplant shock anyway if I did. Um, but in the ground, I've got between, in areas between all these fruit trees, um, lots of different kinds of perennials. Um, 
I did, my perennial kale was killed sadly this winter, which I've never experienced before in. So was mine. Yeah. I mean, it was such a weird winter for, for most of us. So my friend has sent me another load of perennial kale and that's going in over the next few days. Um, I grow perennial alliums. So lots of different kinds. I particularly like uh, walking onion because it grows its little crown of baby onions. And then they, you know, that's the only reason I grow it because it looks so cute. <laughs> and I, things like I also perennialize things. So I've got leeks and elephant garlic that I leave in one area, and they just reproduce themselves. So like you get these beautiful leek flowers that brings in beneficial predators such as wasps. Bees like it too, and then they produce the little bulbils. So you get this really funky seed head, and then that goes down into the ground, and then you get a baby leek forest. So it's not as practical as, you know, I want leeks for the house. So I also sow leeks and grow them in the more usual way. Um, and you get a, a much more reliable harvest, but it's not quite as magical. So I think it's nice to have a magical leek corner as well. Um, yeah, and I do things like uh, Chinese artichokes, Crosney, and um, just planted some Jerusalem artichokes because I am determined to learn to like them. We've been determined to learn how to cook them without side effects. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's it's a mixture, but I think perennials, and obviously I grow a lot of perennial fruit. I think one of the key things um, for growing at home is perennial fruit because the flavour is unlike anything you can buy. You know, um, the strawberries and blackcurrants and gooseberries and things like that and raspberries. So, um, yeah, it's both, definitely. Amazing. And at different levels as well. So it's, yeah, mm. it's just really nice. Mm. Mm. Well, that's my summary garden because it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love talking to you because you, you, you're so down to earth and you make it all sound so simple and it's lovely. I don't have to feel guilty about not moon gardening or doing the pot rotation or any of those things. <laughs> it's definitely guilt-free gardening, I think. And it's it's important that, you know, each one of us has different, um, lives and different resources and different schedules and different things happen. It's I and started doing courses here, so I've done two so far. And one of the things that the people have, who've come have said that they've just like that they've really enjoyed are the bits where I've gone, don't look at that. And obviously, they're going to look at it. I'm not hiding it, it's there. Oh, this bed's got weeds in because it hasn't stopped raining for three months and, <laughs> and it all germinates. And when it did stop for five minutes, I had to prioritize this. Mm. And they were just like, you know, it's so nice because it is real life that there are bits, there's projects I haven't done yet because I thought I'd do them in the winter. And the winter was just going, no, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to sit in the house and eat cake instead, you know. <laughs> sort out your seeds and do your planning, of course. Yes, that's, well, that was what I was doing. <laughs> so, Steph, the, the courses you offer, are they one-day courses or...? Yeah, so at the moment they're one-day courses. Yeah. And I'm also in the process, my little notepad sitting here on my desk, uh, coming up with some more courses at the moment they're about grain food year round and no dig um and i'm also going to be doing some on wildlife gardening because that is a really big part of what i do and again it's like and i do it i've got a, quite a reasonable size pond that my son dug for me last summer but also lots of things that are smaller so it's useful whatever size space you've got um so I'll be doing wildlife gardening ones, homesteading skills, because I, I, the reason I'm into growing food is I like to uh, make loads of stuff. I've actually, the thermostat's gone, we've got two showers here, which is quite handy, and the thermostat's gone in the upstairs shower. Uh, but so I've got my home brew in there. 
Oh, good. <laughs> I thought on the, till I could get the plumber out is the like gold dust plumbers at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'll use this as a place of this for Debbie Johnson. <laughs> if our other home said, you know, preserving and making dyes and those kinds of yeah. things. And I am going to do some half day ones as well. I think one of the nice things is because I live somewhere that is so beautiful and also I'm in a position where I'm quite close to the sea, I'm close to the mountains, so it is a nice place to come and visit for a few days. Mm. And that's what people have been doing. Yeah. Um, coming along and, yeah. And, and a few days, holiday, and then you know, get a pool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The most, well, I mean, obviously everyone coming is exciting. I'm, I'm all, when you book, I put them online, I thought, oh, what if nobody comes? You know, it's like, because <laughs> I've been wanting to do them for two years, but this has been the first time I could invite people here with that, with, you know, and it being safe enough. Because when you're building a garden, sometimes bits are a bit of a dead trap. And it was like, oh, no, what if nobody comes? But they did, so that's good. Um, I've had bookings from America. They're coming from America and then they're going to holiday. They're coming here, not immediately from the airport. I expect they'll have a shower first, but, um, and then now they're going on a holiday through Wales. So it's also really nice that it's like, they're looking, oh, we can go here. We can go there. Cause of course the history here is amazing. And the landscape is lovely. So, um, so it's nice. It's like not just benefiting me it's benefiting the local hospitality as well yes yeah yeah so where where can people find out more about your courses steph on my website <laughs> which either if you google my name fortunately having a name that half it is not a, a common surname so if you google my name stephanie hafferty you'll find it um, but also the website's nodighome.com. So either place there and there's all the um, workshops that I'm offering and I'll be putting them up, you know, the new ones as they come. And also I've got an events calendar in that, which is sharing the different places where I'm giving talks this year else outside in Wales and also elsewhere in the UK. Yes, as you, you travel miles, don't you? I know you... A bit less this year. I'm doing more in Wales. More in Wales. Last year I was everywhere, which was brilliant. I had such a ball. But then it was a bit like, oh, okay, that's why I've got no carrots. Excellent. Well, thank, thanks so much for joining us, Steph. It's been a yeah. real pleasure. Yeah. That's really interesting. Really inspired me to get going on my plot now. I'm brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait for Calling forward to hearing how it gets on. It's an amazing garden. Yes. Hopefully. A lot of work, but it'll be enjoyable, I'm sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're being roped in to, to put up some fence posts and maybe get the bed started, are we, Ems? I think we're... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, welcome. <laughs> yeah, wait, but could you just do this for me? <laughs> oh, and bring cake. Oh, and bring cake. Or oh, cakes, definitely. Yes, cakes definitely got to be involved. <laughs> one thing I've built here, well, I've built one thing my kids built for me, <laughs> um, is a solid fruit cage. I've got one that is, I was going to make, I've got hazel oak and coppice here. So I was going to make a really like beautiful hazel one. And then I really worked out the wildlife here. The squirrels, the jays and the magpies, who would have just laughed at me? <laughs> <laughs> and the wind as well. And I thought, my DIY skills aren't that great. It'd be off. Fly away in the winter. So I've got one exactly this kind of structure, um, same thickness as a polytunnel. So and it's it's in the ground on anchor plates kind of thing and for fruit and that has been brilliant having something that solid so if yeah. that add that to a list if you're feeling rich i i covered mine with metal mesh because of the squirrels the squirrels would just eat through it um which is a bit pricier but it's not gonna get damaged in the same way and it's still the holes are big enough for all insects can get through 
and the wrens can still get through, which is good because I'm quite fond of wrens. I don't mind if they eat a bit of my fruit. They're, they're only going to take a bit. It, the squirrels will just come and take the lot. They take shopping bags around the garden. <laughs> and next to that, if you've got, if you want to grow herbs of fruit, that is such a worthwhile thing to have a, a solid fruit cage that isn't yeah. going to blow away. Yeah. Now, according to my sons, they're going to put their sister in it. <laughs> well, we should have something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Thanks so much, Steph. Thank you. Anyone listening who's enjoyed this, don't forget to look out for Steph in Kitchen Garden every month. We certainly enjoy reading the features, <laughs> so I know you will too. <laughs> thanks, Steph. It's been great. Oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks to you as well, Emma and Tony. I hope, you've, uh, I hope you're all raring to go now, Emma. I am, certainly. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's brilliant. Talk to you all again soon. Thanks for listening, folks. And if you enjoyed our podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Also, if you'd like to learn more about Kitchen Garden Magazine and read more from Steph and the team, don't forget you can visit www.classicmagazines.co.uk and learn more about us and also see our great subscription offers. You'll get Kitchen Garden every month, you'll get free seeds um, and there's lots of other benefits as well. So please do visit www.classicmagazines.co.uk and join us every month. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmagle.